I'm Max, and you're listening to Zito Slapitas, a Mammoth Club original podcast. What's up, all you filmmakers and message board admins out there? I'm Alan. I'm Molly. And I'm Dee Dee. Or, well, Max, but, <laughs> but I'll Dee Dee. lie to you and tell you I'm Dee Dee. <laughs> yeah, you What will. a twist. Yeah. Who could have Crazy. seen it coming? The setup didn't include it at all. Uh, and this is Zeta Lapidus, folks. It is the podcast where we watch every Disney Channel original movie or DCOM in chronological order and then spend way too much time analyzing them. This week, we watched True Confessions, which is a movie based on a book, actually. I think this is maybe the second time we've had that, second or third. Wait, is it a book that's based on a true story? It's just a book. I think it's just, just a, a movie based on a book. Movie based on a book. I mean, hold on. Now I, I actually know. didn't I didn't pick that up when I watched it. So this is new, brand new information to me, post-watch. Book of the same name by Janet, I'm going to butcher this last name, Tashjian. Tashjian? Okay. Yeah. Anyway... That is the movie we watched this week. The description of this film is as follows. Trudy Walker hated her life. She thought it was totally messed up until she found out about a contest that could change everything. Ellipses. I don't know that I agree. I didn't think she hated her life. Yeah, I, I, I also don't think she hated her life. I think the reviewers at IMDb maybe had a little bit of a, a swing and a miss on this one. Yeah. Mm. It's also a little bit more nuanced than that when you actually get into the film itself. There's there's some reasons for maybe Alan, some of those feelings. There's not nuance in this movie. Mm. This is Hot a take. very simple movie. Yeah, for sure. It was released in the April 5th, the year 2002. And I have to know, did either of you two watch this movie as a kid? No. No. Also, no. I actually don't even know if I remember seeing this advertised and then I... I don't know if I even had a, an awareness of it, actually. I think when we started this podcast, I didn't know this movie existed. <laughs> I can say and that about a lot of movies. It. And now I've seen it. There you go. With your eyeballs. Other top news of the time. The top song of April 5th of the year 2002 was Ain't It Funny by Jennifer Lopez featuring Ja Rule. Oh, it'll be my number, baby. <laughs> oh, my God. How many weeks are we going to have to hear we are, that? We are in a Ja Rule rain right Truly. now. Truly. This is Ja Rule's time on the charts. I'm sorry. I mean, pain. It's pain's time on the charts. I'm equal parts like ready to not hear that voice anymore. And also, I'll miss it when it's gone. <laughs> you know? You know what I was thinking about was, wasn't Job Rule in the first Fast and the Furious? Yeah, he was. Yeah, We Holy talked shit. about that a couple episodes ago, and I, I mm-hmm. thought about, wow, we missed an obvious connection to point out. Hmm. Job Rule was not in the family, but adjacent. Yeah, family, family. He raced. Connected. Yeah. Mm. Well, I mean, you know, he was a competitor. The top grossing film of the week was Panic Room, featuring Jodie Foster oh, and Kirsten Stewart. It's one of a good thriller of the time. Uh, And then some of the news of the time. uh, Let's see. In some serious news, the Angolan Civil War ended after 26 years. I thought that was a pretty damn significant event if you end a civil war after 26 years. Actually, Mm -hmm. the day prior to the movie being released. And then uh, April, interestingly enough, fun factoid. Less news, more fun fact. In April, two films would be released that would shatter the box office record set by the Matrix movie that was released, which was sort of the standard at that time. Um, and it was Panic Room, the movie that was released this month, 
as well as The Scorpion King, starring Dwayne, Dwayne The Rock, the Rock Johnson. Johnson. Hell yeah, his his movie debut with all that beautiful CGI. Spin-off and, of The Mummy, right? Tr- yes, yes. Uh, like The Mummy 2, maybe? Or The Mummy 3? I don't even know. But all I, all I can tell you is that, wow. Oh, you're so right. Half Pony. The second Mummy featuring The Scorpion King was mm-hmm. Dwayne The Rock Johnson's movie debut. This was a solo Scorpion King movie, right? Headliner movie debut. Well, he had to have a spinoff, you know? He right. had to have an origin story for The Scorpion yeah, yeah, King. Yeah, 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 yeah. Truly a, a, an incredible, an incredible addition to that franchise. Now I want to watch all Truly. <laughs> Truly. I, w- I will never disparage the good name of Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Well, I, don't, I don't know if I'd go that far, but um. maybe, maybe I just want to watch The Mummy again for some Lyndon <laughs> Fraser love. Maybe yeah, I just yeah. want to do that. Yeah, that's always a good time. I've yeah. actually not seen The Scorpion King, so I can't even say. All right, well, but now I, we know what we're doing. I after do this. know that the level of film that The Rock tends to. Oh, it's very about. high, very high. Yeah, very <laughs> high quality stuff right there. We got Black Adam at the top of the list. We got. Uh, <laughs> You know, um, Fast uh, San hey, Andreas. Fast hey, Fast Five is a great film. Don't you <laughs> yeah. say anything Don't about Fast put Five. That in the, you could put the, wasn't he in one with a big monkey? We could put that one. Yeah, Rampage. <laughs> Rampage. That's there right. Was, there was one Based was on Rampage video World game. Tour. Yeah. There, was, there was one where he was scaling a building for some reason. Skyscraper, I yeah. think, is maybe yeah. the name of that movie. Yeah. San Andreas, where, all the, where the, oh, earthquake the earthquake destroys sure, sure. Uh, California. He was Hercules. So disaster movies in a row. Baywatch. <laughs> okay. Talk about disaster don't movies. Don't put Baywatch in the same category. I love that movie. Yeah, but <laughs> I'm shocked. <laughs> Color me surprised. Listen, there's lots for my eyes to enjoy. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And it's funny. Zac Efron and The Rock are very funny in that movie. Yes. Okay. I like it for the jokes. I'm just reading it for the jokes, Mom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, these articles are so good. <laughs> Very funny. There's humor. There's some real good articles in this Playboy, Hugh. I, I tell you. High quality writing oh, for this I'm magazine. I'm going to watch that later, all right? <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, with that, are you ready to get into the movie True Confessions? Truly, I am. These are my confessions. And, and, and to be clear, listener, when we say true confessions, it is spelled T-R-U. That is true. Confessions yeah. named after true, of course, named as the nickname of our main character or one of the main characters, I suppose, in this film. Did so. you ever know anyone named Trudy? No. And then as a follow up, mm-hmm. would they have gone by the name true T-R-U? Absolutely. You know what? Probably not. I think as a middle schooler, yes. They go by Trude. I think if you, old Trude, I think, I think most Trude. people named Trudy are born like fifty, probably. Well, they're Gertrude. Like, they would be. Yeah. I feel like Gertrude <laughs> is the name. Then Trudy okay. would be the nickname. Listener, yeah. if your name is Trudy, we're not implying anything about you. Um, but it's, I am curious if you've ever. I just don't know it as a nickname. That's all. You know, like. Well, I think I. I, I think Trudy is already the nickname for Gertrude. Oh, so interesting. We nicknameception right now. I wouldn't have the put that together. Nickname? I mean, listen, I guess you're more right. power to yeah. her. Listener, if your name Gertrude, nickname Trudy, nickname True, let us know. We'd love to yeah. hear. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us. Double, double nickname. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We'd love to hear about it. Yeah. Let's put it in the comments. Can't wait for that comment. <laughs> yeah. My name <laughs> is Gertrude with the nickname Trudy with the nickname True. Cool. Great. I'll just, I'll hit the heart, you know? I I found you. Thumbs up. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, true. The second of the nicknames opens up this movie strong, a strong showing with a VO and some really interesting lines around her. Again, establishing the world. We understand that True is going to be our narrator and the main character we follow around. We understand her passion is filmmaking to the point where, and I quote, my dad said if I could, I would have filmed my own birth, which I was like, that's a wild thing to open up with. But okay, we get it. You like filmmaking. And we meet her when, friend group. I, I just, sorry, I have yeah, a yeah. question. Do you think that that means... <laughs> Oh, geez. <laughs> POV? Which POV are you think, like, talking about? Yeah, with the that, camera? Do you think that means filming it from in the room and watching the baby come out or filming it from inside the mom's body I don't and watching the light approach the end I of the dark the tunnel one. you know like pov shot i'm super yeah. good not knowing actually i'm really good not <laughs> I, knowing i hadn't really considered it until this moment but now i'm wondering the intent of that statement you know like from inside mom you would have held up your camera and film, film your emergence into the world God, you It'd know, be an angle none of us have seen before. I mean, un, un, I mean undeniably. I'd be interested. Would you? God. <laughs> Don't you remember in sixth grade when you yeah, had to watch a birth in, in sex ed I, For the record, never had to do that. Really? Yeah, welcome uh, to huh. Tennessee. Yes. I guess that's true. That's but true. wouldn't you be a little curious? I've seen the the videos of it coming out right but i'm saying it's a totally different pov think who would have thought that true confessions would inspire this it i physically go ow i'm i'm not saying it would be pleasant but i am curious hmm well you know what uh if only true had been allowed a camera maybe we would have an answer to this question yeah pretty amazingly talented baby truly Truly a very talented baby. Yeah. We also meet True's friends who definitely like being in her videos that she tapes all the time. I love how she's like, my friends love being in ca- on p- camera. And then they clearly don't. And before they showed that the friends clearly don't, I was like, that's not true. Because as someone <laughs> that for my entire life has been the one that's like, let's take a picture. They don't like it. <laughs> they like the picture later. That's what I always remind them. Hey, we're going to have one at a picture here. But nobody likes it at the moment. Again, they cut to a film of those those friends being. She's trying to make them do the Titanic King of the World thing on the ferry boat. Oh yeah, that's right. Which I appreciated a Titanic. I'm reference. King of the World. We uh, find out True wants her life to be a sitcom, and as we pan rapidly, this was a very quickly paced movie. I didn't realize it was only 81 minutes, uh, comparatively short for the decoms that we've watched so far. We get to True's home life, where the door opens and we meet Shia LaBeouf. Before we talk about Shia LaBeouf, who, you know, welcome back to the community theater. We need to acknowledge that we're welcoming back Clara Bryant because she's Amy from Under Wraps, our main character. Oh, yeah. That's true. All the way back from the very beginning. Yeah. Now I can't unsee it. She did look familiar. Thank you. Yeah. Welcome back, Amy. Mm Mm-hmm. Delivering those burns. Well, Amy, but Clara is her real name. Hmm. She's once again in a movie full of language that made me go, oh. Yeah, they drop some language in here pretty frequently at at a clip that once it begins, rapidly just continues to happen. But yeah, we end up meeting Shia, 
who is playing Eddie, and that is True's twin brother. Mm-hmm. We find out also pretty quickly Eddie has a, a mental disability that isn't that that is sort of central to the plot. We then meet mom, and then much later meet dad. Mom is a businesswoman of some sort. We find out she's busy all the time, uh, and dad is absent and then very yelly. So let's just tick up the bad dad counter again. Yeah, he's uh, a neurosurgeon. Mm. And that's our. Those are our cast of characters. Those are our main players. I have to ask a question before we get into this too much. I think it's appropriate. Eddie's disability. They never say what it is. Do mm-hmm. you think that was on purpose? That they never specifically say like he's autistic or he's this or he's that. And I was like, I wonder if Disney made the choice so that this story could resonate with lots of people and not just one specific group that has a. a dealt with people with that same disability yeah i i took note of that as well i i i don't i I mean it had to have been intentional i i found myself wondering like what the effect of not saying it has on the film and because i guess what i what i found myself wondering is like i think shia labeouf does a good job in this movie but also i'm not close enough you know i've not I've not had intimate relationships with somebody that has a similar type of disability in my life. And so I guess I wonder like, how would that come across if I had had that? And is it better or worse that we don't say what, um, what he is experiencing or what he's portraying, right? Like, is that, does that allow him to maybe not be super accurate in his portrayal and give him a little bit more flexibility? Or is it like, well, you're actually not, maybe you're not being, you know, uh, representative enough because you're not saying the words that matter. I I, I couldn't, I, I guess I'm not the one that matters as far as the perspective, but I did find myself wondering about that a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I, because to your point, Max, there are times where Shia, who I think in general did a pretty damn good job acting in this movie, right? Um, just from my sort of layman's perspective, but it seems as he was displaying behaviors that could be representative of a variety of different uh, different diagnoses, right? And I, I was like, okay, well, great. I guess we just won't know. Yeah, the most we get is that he, I believe he was oxygen deprived at birth because they're twins and mm-hmm. she came out first. And they, they kind of dance around that, but that's kind of what I picked up on. But I just thought it was interesting and I kind of thought maybe Disney on purpose didn't say one thing or the other so that way this story could resonate with folks who have kids that are autistic but also folks with kids that have oxygen deprivation like i don't i kind of thought maybe they were leaving it a little more broad so that this story could reach a wider audience i also just want to say i know we you mentioned dad is absent um i'll probably talk about this a little bit later i think that this movie doesn't know if dad is absent mm-hmm. and it wants dad to be absent but they also show him just being a good dad a lot and so I, I, I'll go ahead and spoil this for you. I don't think they should have had anything about dad being absent in this movie. I don't think it helped the film. I don't think it made any sense. Um, and I think that it's the probably the weakest plot point in the whole film is that he's absent because we're going to see him engaged with many family activities throughout this movie, um, which just contradicts the idea that he's an absent father. <laughs> One thing that I will say about True Confessions is at least they attempt to resolve all of the plots that they, the, the sort of plot lines that they establish. 
which is more than we can say for a lot of the decoms that we watch, right? They, they at least attempt to tie a bow on everything, regardless of how pretty that bow may be. We are introduced, though, to Eddie as he bursts out the front door shouting paparazzi. And this is, again, we, we sort of, we mentioned it before. Eddie has the, uh, the mental disability, and this is intended to make the audience a little uncomfortable because the, the players in the scene are also uncomfortable, namely True's friends, and they like exit stage right. And that sets the, that sets the tension, True's relationship with Eddie. True is conflicted because she wants to love her brother. She does love her brother, but there are these moments in time where it causes a disruption to what she has going on in her space. And it also sets up her strained relationship with her mother because her mother's reaction is true yells at Eddie. Like, why would you do that? You made my friends leave. That wasn't funny. And her mother's reaction is to then scold true and true's like, why don't you ever get mad at him? Why is it always my fault? And mom's kind of like, well, you know, he's sensitive or whatever she says. And it sets up this pattern of, both parents, but mostly the strain with True is with her mom of them having one set of rules for True and one set of rules for Eddie. And I have no idea how difficult this would be as both a parent and as the sibling. I I kind of was feeling a lot of Miracle in Lane 2 vibes throughout this movie where it's like you feel really bad for both the character with the disability, but you also feel really bad for the sibling. Um, And I felt very conflicted throughout the movie on, on, on that about how like it would be really hard to be true, but it would also be really hard to be the parents. I mean, and they do, they have pretty good payoff moments that bring that home emotionally for both of them throughout this, which is again, nice to see. Uh, You don't often get that. So it it was good to have that. Yeah. I think that this movie does a good job of showing that a complex family life like this has a lot of different angles and perspectives and it doesn't it doesn't go out of its way to say any one of those is wrong Mm -hmm. you know like it's like hey all of these things can be true all of them can be real and they're all valid and it doesn't villainize true for what she's feeling and and that she wants attention or that she's embarrassed. It doesn't make her a villain. It doesn't make Eddie a villain. It doesn't make the parents a villain. What I actually think is really unique about this movie that I noticed is that, and I, I don't remember another DCOM that's done this, but I there probably have been. Um, this movie is not specifically from the perspective of any one character because we get scenes of mom and dad when the kids aren't around. You know, often when you're watching uh, a movie that is narrated by a kid, that the kid is the protagonist, if you see the parents, it's only because the kid is in the room with the parent. And so you're seeing the perspective of the kid who you're following, but we're seeing scenes of mom and dad when the kids are asleep, when the kids are, you know, at mom's office. Like this movie, it may be driven by true, but it's about the family. Mm-hmm. And so it doesn't just follow one of their perspectives. You get scenes of all of their perspectives and they're all validated. I think we saw that in Miracle Lane Lane 2 as well. I think there's a lot of parallels between these two. Because mm-hmm. like I remember specifically like horny conversations between the parents that the kids weren't around for. And there were also conversations with uh, the older brother and dad that the younger brother wasn't around for. And so... yeah. We also get fantasy scenes like Miracle in Lane 2. Like, I felt like this movie, they basically were like, all right, Miracle in Lane 2 worked. Let's 
take that and twist it a little bit and it can be this movie. Mm, yeah, it might have been the same writing team. You know what I mean? Very well could be. Let's talk about those fantasy cutaway scenes for a moment, shall we? This is the one thing that I, the, its intent is to reinforce True's love of filmmaking and that being her creative expression. We see it after this entire conflict early on and she, just, and she sits down to video journal and she's got, I was so confused by this and it took me a while to realize that there are multiple screens in her room that they cut away to all the time as she's video journaling, kind of like a live capture setup situation. So I was kind of confused by the jarring cutaways. That's a transition that happens a lot when True is driving dialogue. There are these really sort of jarring cutaways, but she video journals and she fantasizes not about mechanic Jesus. She fantasizes about her life in a 50s sitcom. That's her go-to where she manifests what she would like to have happen. Most specifically in the first one that we see her conversation with her mom. Do you think that the writers of WandaVision saw this movie? Almost I, certainly. I had a very similar thought. I was like, what are these WandaVision cutaways I'm watching right <laughs> I now? I think somebody from the WandaVision team watched this growing up and was like, I have an idea. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wait a minute. I love that I idea. Love that I idea. love that idea. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I think I want to just add on out. This movie... These TV sitcom fantasy scenes are one thing, and they she we, we use that as a way of of understanding what she wants and seeing this creativity. But then there are these other fantasy scenes. Yep. That I don't. I to this to this moment, I don't really know what they are. Are we talking uh, about walking in the field? Are we talking about overalls? Yes. Yes, we are. Um, yeah. These are interspersed. There's like these sitcom scenes where True is a character in a sitcom and she t- like talks to a mom character, sometimes mm-hmm. played by her mom and later recast. And then... <laughs> well, it's Dee Dee. It's, it's Dee Dee then. Right, yeah. Also, she um, has a poster of Dee Dee on the wall. Like she just has she a poster does. of a 50s housewife on the wall, yep. which I find weird, but okay. Yeah. Good for you, True. But then you have these other scenes that are like weird shots of fence posts with barbed wire or something. And then two kids in overalls traipsing through the, the like fields. And clearly they're, they call out to each other at some point and it's supposed to be true and Eddie. But I was like, is this a memory? Is it a dream? Is it, uh, what is the happening right now? Part of me wonders, is that, and this is wild and I have no idea if this is even remotely true, but is that Eddie? I kind of thought those were Eddie's dreams at one point because at one point they show the weird field running and it's really foggy. Like it looks like there's like Vaseline on the filter of the camera too. And and then it cuts to Eddie having like fallen out of his bed because he was having a dream and the dad has to put him in the bed. So I was like, wait, are these Eddie's memories? Like what is happening with these? They never explain that shit. Not, Not even once do they explain what that is. We've been seeing it all movie. All the way to the end with no fucking explanation. Like a good half dozen, maybe more times that just like cuts in. You're like, well, how the fuck did we get here? <laughs> Whoop. Right. So, so we have all this sort of sitcom recreation, true expressing your feelings. And I, I wanted to comment on this early and sort of get both of your thoughts. It feels to me like true waffles between what I think are very real 
issues that she's expressing with mom and sometimes with dad. And then even a little bit with Eddie, although those are a little bit softer because she has, I think probably a, a very accurately displayed relationship there. I, again, I would not know. So this is just sort of me projecting what I imagine would be the case, but it feels like for every legitimate issue she has, there are, there's another illegitimate one that I'm like, pick your battles. Like she's getting mad at mom or like exploding at mom for no reason or exploding at dad for no reason. Like that is sort of her making assumptions. So that was a very interesting thing that I saw early on. I was curious, like, did am I crazy for thinking that? No, I wrote pick your battles too, because, and it's probably just residual annoyance with Eddie from the paparazzi thing, but like <laughs> he's Eddie setting the table and he's putting spoons out and she's like, we don't need spoons for this meal. And she starts fighting with Eddie over putting spoons out and like in my head, I'm like, girl, pick your battles. Like who cares if you put spoons out? That seems like a minuscule thing versus more understanding to be upset when he like scares your friends away. Um, kind of thing. So I did, I did feel that, but I, I think all of it is just like residual anger and all her emotions and just also being a teenage girl. What I do think is she is brutal to her mother at times. Oh, yeah, I think that that is uh, for a character and, and a bunch of characters. I think they're pretty well written. I do think she has moments that are the p- most poorly written in the movie mm-hmm. because her reactions to things. And, and uh, I'm sure we are, or I will, will mention one later, much later in the film. They just sometimes don't make any damn sense. Like you're just like, I, I, where what's happening here? Why why is this your reaction to to what just happened? Um, and I agree. I think the the setting the table thing. It's like it's like they've lived together for fourteen years, but it's her day one. Mm-hmm. You know, is how it feels. It's like for fourteen years they've lived together. He's been setting the damn table, and she's acting like this is a brand new thing that's never happened before. You know, so. It's, it's interesting. This is when I, this is when dad enters the scene, by the way. And I want to pause here for just a moment because we need to keep, keep, keep going. But dad, I was so confused if it's absentee dad or if it's angry dad. Mm-hmm. Because dad's immediate response to something going wrong at the table, which we find out is a common occurrence, is to berate Eddie. He breaks mm-hmm. something. He drops a dish and it. It breaks. And he's like, can't we go one meal without this happening? I'm like, okay, this is a common occurrence. Your son is 14. You have a full understanding of his capabilities or lack thereof. Yelling and berating that person is counterproductive, especially if you understand, like, especially if you understand that you're probably making it worse now, pal. So I just, I was confused and we mentioned absentee, but not is it he's supposed to be angry? Like that was that was another element of dad that I was like, what are what is happening here? Like, what is your role in this? I also want to say about the mom before we get too far is like I couldn't quite decide how I felt about mom either because on the one hand, I do think True is often brutal to her. On the other hand, they show clips of the mom being like a total carrot at the grocery store, like yelling at the mm. like <laughs> grocery stalker. And so on the other hand, you're like, well, mom is kind of annoying sometimes. And then there are times where I do think true has a point of like how differently she treats Eddie versus how she treats her. And like mm-hmm. how she sometimes unfairly puts things on true, which is definitely unfair. It just like, I couldn't make up my mind. Cause on the one hand I was like, true has a point here. But on the other hand, sometimes she's really mean to buy like, I don't know. I felt like there wasn't a lot of consistency, which you know what? 
maybe that's how this life would be. Like there probably would be times you agree and times you don't agree and times that mom is too harsh and times that you snap at mom. I felt like there wasn't a an easy way to decide how you felt about some of these characters. I think it's probably also just like what being a 14 year old is like, like, I mean, I think that this situation obviously heightens all of that. But if I think about when I was a teenager, like I would just be angry sometimes, you know what I mean? Like when you're just like young and horny and filled with rage and you don't know what to do about any of that, you know, like I think with my body, right? Exactly. It's like, I, I think that some of that is actually captured really well in this movie of just, man, and they even talk about it. Like, uh, uh, mom's coworkers, like you're lucky she's talking to you at all. She, she could have moved out by now. And I, I think that feels real is like, oh, yeah. no, you're just a 14 year old kid, man. When I was a 14, 15 year old girl, my mom and I like, were not allowed to speak to each other in the mornings because every single morning ended mm-hmm. in screaming like, you're not wearing that. You can't tell me what to do. And it's like, mm-hmm. you know, there's so much emotion. Mm. Yeah. So much emotion. And you don't know why, mm-hmm. but I do, I do think at some points I agreed with true that her mom was being totally unfair. Well, true turns her attention and really her questions to a message board. Mm-hmm. A natural I, place to go. I right before we get there, I just want to add two things. One out, I want to just plus one something you said, which is I I think that the film also doesn't know whether dad is absent mm-hmm. or if he's angry. Um, and I I I stand by that like I don't think he should be either. I think the movie <laughs> is better if you just like let him be good dad because these parents. Um, I think we're front loading some themes here, but that's fine. I think that these parents actually show something in this decom that we haven't gotten a lot of, which is like, you see them being really great together. You see them have moments of like bantering with each other and, you know, they kind of razz each other. And when mom's upset, dad's like there and, and kind of lighthearted about it. And like, they are, you just see them be a couple, which we don't get a lot of often in these decoms. And I think like he could have just been an okay dad and it would have been fine. Like this movie is fine. Without without this, like, is he absent, is he angry, who knows? I do love the line, well, we can't eat the broccoli now. It's covered in glass. I just, I yes, just thought it was, doctor. I just thought it was such a funny thing to be upset about. Like your, your kid just broke this bowl. There's glass all over the ground. And what do you care about? Well, the broccoli's ruined. I mean, this is like <laughs> glass all in. Probably, probably not the thing to be worried about in this moment. <laughs> like, so, also, maybe this is not the point. If you had a child that broke things a lot, why are you using glass? Exactly. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> right. Like you've maybe known plastic for fourteen <laughs> fucking years. Right. No. No one gives a shit if you. It happens every bowl. meal. If it happens every meal, why are you at? Like, why is there glass on the table? Like right. get lids. Yeah. And use plastic. Yeah. Like, uh. Problem solved. We're okay. a paper. We're a paper family now. Yeah. No one does the dishes. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like there are very nice looking Tupperwares that you can put yeah. right on. It will help the cleanup immensely. Mm-hmm. You can put it in the oven and put the lid right on it when you're done. 
I solved so many problems for this. Listen, family. and this is the early odds. They were having Tupperware parties. Don't you tell me that. They were not hosting in house. They loved the Tupperware party. You know how much Tupperware I have from my grandmother? Like, and I'd be 14, 15. She'd give it to me for Christmas. I'm like, what the fuck am I going to do with this? Now I'm like, you got any more Tupperware? Like, mm-hmm. being 34, Storage. it's a bunch Where of Where are the Tupperware parties? Yeah. Nice. At, you have them at people's houses. It's 2023, folks. We need a virtual Tupperware party. a Tupperware party? I'm gonna need a Zoom Tupperware party. There's, yeah. I, I'm pretty sure that here or close by is the Tupperware Museum. Hmm. Well, that we have an like outing. A video. <laughs> we have an outing on the, on the docket. <laughs> this <Okay>. one seals. <laughs> Ooh, it's, it's airtight. Um, okay. True turns to the message board. She's and the question that she asked the message board, I thought was really, really interesting and a cool point of character development for True. And she's like. I want to know how to show up for my brother effectively. Mm-hmm. I want to know how to do a better job of showing up for my brother. And she sends it out into the ether. Before and, she does that though, I got to say, uh-huh. she, she voiceovers and talks about how like she thinks it might be her fault that Oh my um, god, yeah. that Eddie is this way because she came out first, so it's like her fault that he was deprived of oxygen and then she draws uh, sharks and she says <laughs> did you know that baby sharks eat each other in the womb and that's true which I appreciate a good shark fact but she drew their heads on the sharks <laughs> she did. and then the sharks like animated came to life and then the true shark ate the Eddie shark and I was like I don't love this graphic <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a fan of this <laughs> I was like oh I love a shark fact but not like this I love that you brought up the animation some of the animation sequences that happen in her, throughout this film like there is no consistent theming or usage of animation. And why so many sunflowers? So just like, ah! Dude, this, this movie is all over the damn place when it, it comes to that shit. It's crazy. I think it, it's akin to somebody buying a pack of transitions from Adobe and being like, let's try to use as many of these as mm-hmm. we can. We, we spent mm-hmm. the budget on this. Let's use them. We now go to high school after she sends out her request to the message board into the ether and we find out she has a crush on a junior. The junior acknowledged her and was like, hey, is there, a, is there an assembly later? And she's like, he loves me for that. I do think that he's pretty dreamy. I will give her that. I think he's pretty dreamy. Hmm. And he looks to me like he could have a career, a musical career, but okay. n- not actually I'm sorry, be what? singing. What? It, right. it feels like Billy could perhaps have a musical duo. What? Is his name Billy? His name is Billy, but his real name is uh-huh. Yanni Gelman. And oh, he was missed. better known to me as Paolo from the Lizzie McGuire No movie. shot. Sing to me, Paolo. This is early for this. It yeah, is. but I had to do yeah. it. I had to bring up Paolo because I immediately was like, I know that guy. And this uh-huh. is Anyway, uh, we're all probably very familiar with the incredible film, the Lizzie McGuire movie, in which Lizzie McGuire, our heroine and queen, um, hmm. does the classic swaps a doozy with someone that looks exactly like her. And that person is an international pop star uh, in a duo with Paolo. But it turns out Paolo actually can't sing at all. So they frame him. And then Lizzie McGuire finishes the concert, as one does in in Roma, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, in the Lizzie McGuire movie, of course, you have to have a chaperone on these kind of adventures. And their chaperone is Miss Ungermeyer, a, a, a oh. teacher that comes up a lot with the series. I love Miss Ungermeyer. And uh, she's played by Alex Borstein, who mm. you may know from Miss Maisel or 
Uh, from Gilmore just... Girls. Yes, yeah. Molly, she <laughs> did appear in Gilmore Girls. Actually, she was originally cast as Suki St. James. But that's um, Melissa was McCarthy. Be... What are you saying to me, Max? I know. Actually, she was originally cast as Suki St. James. However, she was not able to be in Gilmore Girls because of the contract of her being on Mad TV at the time. Oh, and dear. so instead, she would appear in the, uh, the first season as a harp player by the name of Drella, um, still paying homage her wanting to be in the show and uh, Amy Sherman Palladino wanting to work with her, but of course she couldn't be in uh, the role of Suki St. James. There are scenes, however, from the pilot episode where you can actually see Suki St. James played by Alex Borstein. That's good to know. And what I was going to say was not that. It's that she actually is the voice of Lois on Family Guy. Oh, well. And I had no idea of that um, because I have seen approximately zero episodes of Family Guy. But I liked your Gilmore Girls. I liked your Gilmore Girls fact. And I actually did know she was on. I actually did know she was on Gilmore Girls, but I have a a more fun way to to connect these dots Uh here. Yeah, no, Uh, it's fine. But we have Family Guy Lane. We have Family Guy. She's Lois. Uh, in 409 out of 411 episodes, I don't know what happened on those other two. I don't know if somebody else a cold. It's played okay. Lois for a couple episodes. I don't know if there's two episodes Lois isn't in. Someone will tell me, I'm sure. But anyway, in one episode, season four, episode 13, titled Jungle Love of Family Guy, they play the banger, Wake Me Up Before You Go-Go. Mm. I'm sure we're all familiar with that sweet, sweet song. Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, by Wham. Lead, Wham. Si- lead singer of Wham, George Michael. Mm-hmm. We, we all love George Michael. Now, George Michael was quite controversial in his days uh, yeah. with some very spicy songs such as I Want Your Sex. Yeah, he does. came out in 1987. <laughs> yeah, he does. And the star of that music video uh, was a woman he was romantically entangled with. I know, we're all surprised. But uh, that woman was named Kathy Young. Uh, uh-huh. She was uh, romantically involved with George Michael from 1986 to 1998. 1988 and she was the sexy woman in the music video and i have to tell you a few things about this music video i found out today because it is nice um it was very (laughs) racy for the 80s uh Uh, one of the racier scenes involved him writing the word explore on her thigh and lipstick and then monogamy on her back so the end of the music video titled the phrase explore monogamy what? What? I just feels just, like a just explore it. Just yeah, think about like it. a like just a cave. Think it over. Lewis and Clark just yeah. just go explore the it. The monogamy expedition. Right. Uh. Yeah. But the whole <laughs> find your polka. <laughs> Let's go. Uh. Uh. Kathy Young. Um. After she was done, she was a DJ. That's why why she met uh George Michael. Then she was in different music videos and things. She eventually became a celebrity makeup artist and she was in charge of Liv Tyler's makeup in the hit film Armageddon. Wow. Yeah. Mm. That's our first is that our first makeup artist? I don't know, but I'm about to hit you with another one because she worked very closely alongside Rick Stratton, who was mm. in the makeup department. Uh and he is known for doing tattoos for different films mm. so he might do like cover up or uh if a if a character has a tattoo he would be in charge of that and mm-hmm. another film that he worked on or another show he worked on was the walking dead he mm. was the special tattoo artist in oh. the makeup department uh now i've not seen the walking dead but i was tickled to learn that a wonderful actress by the name of danny guria is a 
Gurira. I can't say her last name. I'm so sorry. She plays Michonne? Michonne in The Walking Dead. Either of you watch The Walking Dead? Somebody's no. get, somebody will let me know. Uh, it doesn't matter, because most importantly, she's a Koye in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Oh, there you and go. And we love Yay. a Koye. Uh, she is uh, in Avengers Infinity War, one of my personal favorite Avengers films. One of my favorite scenes in Avengers Infinity War is when, uh, unfortunately, the good guys are getting their ass beaten a little bit, <laughs> and then uh, Wanda finally decides to leave her stupid robot boyfriend and come down and just kicks ass, and she's like, why were you up there this whole time? Uh, of course, Wanda, played by Elizabeth Olsen. She also plays Wanda in Doctor Strange and the Multitude of Madness, where we get a much-anticipated, very exciting cameo from some characters, including Professor X, played by Ooh. Patrick Stewart. Mm -hmm. Of course, he has a larger role as Professor X in the X-Men films, including X-Men The Last Stand, uh -huh. uh, yep. where a character named Multiple Man shows up. Sure. Don't know who that is, but I do know that it's Eric Dane, and that more importantly, he is Dr. McSteamy on Grey's Anatomy, oh. one of my favorite shows from a long time. Mm -hmm. And there's a big debate, Steamy, Dreamy, which, which Mick Doctor are you going to go for? Gotta say. Team McSteamy. I know it's a hotter take. Anyway, uh, also McDonald's over here. <laughs> also appearing on Grey's Anatomy as Susan Gray, uh huh, Meredith Gray's stepmother who tragically dies from the hiccups. Uh, yep. Uh huh. Uh, I'd forgotten that detail. Yeah, you forgot that people could die from the hiccups. How dare you? I did. It's very dramatic because it's her stepmother uh, that she doesn't really have a relationship with, but she's very nice to her. And uh -huh. um, she's married to her father, obviously, who she has a very strained relationship with. And they're finally working on their relationship. And then her stepmother, Susan Gray, dies under the, the care of, of Meredith Gray's hospital. And her dad comes in and slaps her. And he's like, you killed her. It's very tragic. Anyway, long wow. story short, Susan Gray is played by Mayor Winningham, who in this film plays the mom, Jenny. Wow. Wow. <laughs> we got there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Woo. We had a we had an offshoot of Gilmore Girls that, that loped us back through Family Guy. And boy, makeup artists abound. We gotta talk about George Michael's sexy music videos. Yeah. Ex hey, explore, explore monogamy. monogamy. <laughs> Charter that expedition. I have been. <laughs> same. Yeah. Same. So far the it's going well. <laughs> Oh, boy. Speak for yourself. I'm like halfway through the Oregon Trail and everyone's died of dysentery where I'm at. <laughs> yeah, you know, like, <laughs> Maybe you should try fording the river next time. Jessica's got to get I've out tried of the fording the river. <laughs> Fuck. You've been Armageddon, the part of the show where Molly, by no one's urging, has found yet another way this decom can be tied to the smash hit Armageddon. Don't tell her to stop because she won't. <laughs> well, speaking of exploring monogamy, woo, we uh, we have another great interstitial scene that is a ripoff of I Love Lucy, where True and Billy are together. Uh, once more, exploring True's desired fantasy of her being with Billy and their beautiful, and as she says, perfect life together. And this leads to a scene 
where True is creepily videoing Billy in P.E. And I was like, how has nobody noticed this? She's not subtle. She's got a big, big video camera out. We're talking like 2002 big ass video camera, Mm -hmm. handheld recorder. I'm surprised she's allowed to bring it in school and like, well, I guess she's doing a project, but like, Mm -hmm. I I, I was just like, that's creepy as hell. Like they're like, Ooh, your family. I get take that around film all you want, but like you're out in public now. Well, that's true. More importantly, she's having lunch with her buddies Mm -hmm. and Jake, one of her besties is like, Hey, I found out some cool stuff. And the cool stuff he found out is that there's a contest by the local TV station for kids to submit a short film mm-hmm. and it would be played on the news. And she's like, this is my big break. Yeah. She wants to enroll and submit a piece. This, this is her, this is her dream. She comes home, tells mom, mom is sort of enthusiastic about it, but not enthusiastic enough for true. Doesn't lead with enthusiasm, sort of leads with skepticism and realism. I think it's interesting because this is this is sets off the genesis of like the conversation that we get later on of mom. The reason mom is talking with her friend in the office later, Max, I think when we talked about that earlier. But what we get next is I'm going to pause again. I love the family dynamic scenes. I love the entire family being in the room together because I think it's such a cool exploratory of these family dynamics. We have Eddie come in with dad's doctor garb performing brain surgery on a watermelon. Mm-hmm. That's a sentence that I didn't think I'd ever craft before, but here we are. And it's a really cute scene with Eddie performing the surgery, having all these instruments that he got from dad's office. Mom's engaged. True's engaged. And then dad gets home. I can't believe Mm -hmm. you liked this scene. It made me so uncomfortable. I was so sad. Well, I mean, I feel like that's real. Like that, that, that feels real to me. I, I with no, with no context. That feels like a real thing. Like let's, that is play. I know, but you just have a, a low cringe meter. Oh, I mean, I, w- I was uncomfortable towards the end, especially when Dad gets like, what are you doing? Again, Dad blows up. Like that, uh, listener, if Dad shows up on the scene for the majority of this movie, he's probably yelling at Eddie. Uh, maybe 70% of the time. And Dad blows up. Eddie runs out and says, doctors are mean. Mm-hmm. I was like, that's got a sting for Dad. Like, that's got to... Again, they're tr- I, think, I think it's interesting. Now that we talk through it, the relationship dynamics we're getting is True and Mom, Eddie and Dad are sort of the attempts at subplot relationships there. So mm-hmm. um, I thought that was a very interesting little family dynamic scene. It made me sad. And I wrote, dad's an ass yet again. Yeah. Once again, we have a dad being an ass. Yeah. But I mean, oh, it, this, this is my issue with this is you said maybe 70%. I, I think it's more like 50, 50 to be honest, mm-hmm. because right after this, we get dad and Eddie playing catch and they're at the park. They both have, uh, baseball gloves. They're throwing the ball back and forth. Uh, Eddie is struggling to like throw it where dad can catch it. He's having to run. And I was like, is he going to blow up? Right. Uh, Eddie is overthrowing him a lot. He's having to run for the ball. Is he going to blow up? No, he never blows up. He's fine. He, uh, he just keeps going and getting the ball, keeps going and getting the ball. He keeps going in the bushes. He keeps going and getting the ball and never explodes on Eddie. Eddie, you know, you see him throw a couple that are catchable. Dad can't catch those, you know. I was about to say, Dad could have hustled a little more. Dad, he... Dad's not that great, to be honest. Um, <laughs> when he hits the bushes, Eddie is even like, you're terrible. And like, Dad, again, 
keeps it together. And then he's like, hey, man, I, I think we've had enough exercise. How about we go get some hot fudge Sundays? Eddie's chill. He's so happy. Right. And like, this is what I'm talking about is that the movie doesn't know who dad is. Right. It's in this scene. Dad's a great dad. He's just playing catch with his son, has reason to get irritated, doesn't get irritated. Right. In a moment, we're going to see Eddie rollerblading through the house. Doesn't get irritated with him then. Doesn't yell at him then. Doesn't blow up on him then. Like there's a lot of places where he could have blown up and they don't have him blow up. He's totally reasonable and fine. True. I think it's interesting that we should talk and call out the impetus of dad playing catch with Eddie is dad and mom had a conversation around Eddie's uh, limitations as they put it in that conversation. And dad saying, we've got to pull Eddie up. We've got to set higher bars. We've got to get him where he wants to go. We've got to break all the break all the rules and expectations. And mom's like, okay, but understand that like it still might not be what you want it to be. And I think dad going to play catch is a dir- directly correlated to that conversation with mom. And I think that's important to call it because dad... I mean, that, that, that's the, it's like, I'm going to teach my son how to play catch. Cause that's what a quote, normal son and dad would do unquote. I, um, I agree. And that's why I sort of expected him to get frustrated when Eddie was struggling to throw it to the mitt, right? Like this because dad has these expectations that are maybe unreasonable for how quickly his son is developing. Mm-hmm. And when Eddie continues to overthrow him, that's why I'm like, oh, dad's having this like tension between where he wants Eddie to be and where he is. And now Eddie's struggling to throw the ball and catch it. And like, okay, dad's going to blow up and we're going to continue. No, dad never does that. Mm-hmm. You know? And so it, it just feels at odds with itself a little bit for me. No, agreed. We also have in this moment, mom becoming Dee Dee and replying to True. Mom sends True the message. True reads it. And then goes home to the chaos. And this is where she sort of gets her brain blast of we're going to change the subject of what I'm what I'm documenting. Also, True gets hit with those Internet trolls. First. Mm, Yeah, she gets hit with those. And I thought, yeah, that's the problem with the Internet. True. I'm sorry that some person responded to your message board saying that you're the problem. Once again, I freaking love early 2000s Internet content. Uh It's just my favorite thing in the world is when they are portraying the internet, especially when in this movie they're like, so it's a catfish, right? And I'm like, now hold on. Were we really worried about catfishing in 2001, you know? Um, But And so she's like, yeah, but it's on a message board. It's fine. Nobody Mm -hmm. would do that. You know, it's just so like... No, it's a medical board. Nobody would ever do anything like that. Just (laughs) wave it off. Okay, sure. Yeah, so we have Eddie rollerblading the house, causing chaos, knocking things awry, much to the chagrin of True because Billy shows up with a grocery delivery and True massacres some carrots for some reason. No, she has plenty (laughs) of good reason to massacre carrots. This boy that she likes and thinks is so cute comes to her house her brother is rollerblading around the house, like causing chaos. Her dad yells at her, like her dad's trying to talk on the phone and Eddie's like messing that like chaos ensues and she's embarrassed. Like she is embarrassed that this boy came to her house and this is what is greeting him. Then Eddie like takes the carrots and is like, I'm Bugs Bunny. What's up doc? And like her response, whether it be a, you know, Maybe not the best response, but her response is to shred up the carrots in the garbage disposal because she's just mad and frustrated. And honestly, I'm glad that that was her response and not she didn't like do something to Eddie. Like she's mm-hmm. 
she's emotionally smart enough to know like Eddie can't control himself, but she just had like wanted to do something. And Mm -hmm. that to me is like throwing your phone across the room or throwing something or just like punching a pillow. Yeah. The manifestation Mm -hmm. of the frustration outside of like, especially because again, she drops a bag, but it's because Eddie crashes into her and dad goes true. Don't drop the bags. Like it's all her fault. And it's only horrible in her mind. It's like extra horrible because this boy's standing there watching this all happen. Mm hmm. They resolve that because she makes some nice cutout paper. Except for mom's an asshole right here. Mom is an asshole to her because first of all, she's so embarrassed. She's so mortified this happened. And mom's like, you shouldn't destroy perfectly good food. And she's like, but he embarrassed me in front of Billy. What's his face? And she's like, I don't care. And it's like, mom completely dismisses anything true is feeling in this moment. Um, And then true does, I think a cute thing to make up for the fact that she destroyed the carrot. She makes little like, cardboard or paper construction paper carrots and eddie thinks it's funny and dad even is like making jokes about it he's like these are the most delicious carrots i've ever seen and like her mom's like i guess and it's like you cannot be that bad about carrots they're like a dollar and i just felt like in this moment i understood why true had these feelings about her mother because her mother is being so unforgiving to her feelings and her situation and Mm -hmm. it clearly isn't really about the carrots right yeah but from all of this conflict, True decides we're going to make a documentary about something she's received advice, do something that you're passionate about that you know, and what that is, is her brother. So she is going to make a documentary style video on Eddie, and we get a montage sequence, which results in her taking a very clinical approach to a, a clinical and impersonal, I think is what they, what they really made it out to be approach for this first movie invites people over to watch Eddie's there friend group is there put on the movie and it is just boring Mm -hmm. I mean oof and the friends give that feedback too to which I actually expected from her friend group her to have maybe a stronger reaction like a you hate it because that's what we've been used to seeing so far from her and then I realized no we're seeing that when she talks to her mom Uh, and that's what we actually get later too but to the friend group, she's like, no, like, I, okay, I have to go back and rethink about this stuff, et cetera. And then the moment True has that conversation with mom, that's a blow up. Like that's a, that is a hairpin situation and she is primed and ready. Uh, which I was like, that's a, what, a, what a neat way of expressing the difference in dynamic, right? Because of what True's come to expect from mom. Uh, and then we have a heart shattering moment between True and Eddie. As True is reading the bedtime story and Eddie looks at her and he's like, are you mad at me? Why would you say that? Well, you never play with me anymore. It makes me sad. You used to be my twin, only now you're not. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It was, I was like, that's just a really good scene there between siblings, right? You don't often see that type of closeness in sibling relationships in DCOMs. I actually can't think of a time right now you see anything other than a snarky sibling relationship in a DCOM. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe outside of Miracle in Lane 2. This is also the scene that I realized I think the acting is pretty good in this movie and not just mm. from Shia LaBeouf. Like, I do mm. think True is a little overdramatic sometimes, but for the most part, I feel like she's pretty good too. And especially in her moments with Eddie, the heartfelt moments I feel like are really well acted for these two like 14-year-old kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that the only thing I felt in this, and this isn't necessarily a criticism because I don't know 
I, I think you're you're riding a tough line of trying to get feeling and narrative across. But I do think it plays back to something we were talking about earlier, where you're not defining what the situation is. You're you're mm. being pretty vague, right? And and so I think that they sort of change up Eddie's ability to communicate throughout this film. And it's a little bit inconsistent where sometimes it feels like he's able to communicate in what feels like metaphor and, um, and articulate how he's feeling pretty deeply. Like this is a simple phrase, but it has some deep shit in it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like you were my twin. Now you're not like, man, that's not like a, simple thought like that's that you've gotten somewhere with that um and there's a lot of emotion in there but then other times it feels like he's not able to articulate his feelings very deeply and that's what causes um conflict within some of the scenes and so i think that there is some wavering between how well eddie is able to articulate himself and and again i think that that's you're you're trying to tell a story and you need him to be able to articulate his feelings and so it's part of the flexibility of, again, not like identifying or defining all of his disability and, and what that might, uh, like how that might manifest. But I, I, I did feel this tension in this moment of like, man, that doesn't totally feel consistent with what I've seen from him throughout this movie so far. Not to say that he can't do that. It's just uh, something I had, I thought about. Mm -hmm. I wonder if in his mind, him saying, you're not my twin anymore he means it in a more literal way mm -hmm. than we're interpreting it. Sure. Like you just, in his brain, being a twin meant we played together and we mm -hmm. hung out together and now we don't. So now you're not my twin. Yeah. I mean, and yeah, maybe that let's just be clear that threads what true feels towards the end of this and expresses to her mom at the end of the film, which is true internalizes for the first time that she is going to continue to grow up and go to college and go do things. Mm -hmm. And Eddie is going to be Eddie forever. Yeah. And I think that is her internalizing this seeded statement before where Eddie might've meant it literally, but she's now have to, she has to process it in the way that is unique to her. Mm -hmm. um, but before that we get a soccer montage and this serves two purposes, two purposes in its entirety. One to show mom and dad in a relationship and only their relationship independent of their children. Mm -hmm. And two, to show the twin relationship after it had been established so they're not twins anymore together, Eddie and True, uh, where Eddie scores a goal, which I was like, excellent job there. Fantastic. Um, and that's, from my perspective, supposed to endear you to both of those duos in a way that maybe you've, you've had a lot of tension so far in the movie. Let's give you a moment of, of triumph and love and family here so that way it reminds you that they are a unit. Mm -hmm. But I thought that was nice. It was well-timed. And then we get the, I called this the Eddie tapes. True is continuing to make a documentary. She wants to make it more personal. She's taking Dee Dee, AKA her mom's advice on how to make this documentary more personal. We don't know it's her mom yet. We mm. just know she's getting messages back from a kind stranger on the internet, giving her great advice. I mean, I assume we all knew it was her mom, but I don't know if I would have known that at 14. Oh, I, I don't know. I think that they were pretty on the nose with that in the movie. I think True doesn't know, but they show mom like start typing a response to True on the message board. Mm -hmm. But and it, yeah. Yeah. So 
True takes Didi backslash mom's advice and starts making it more personal. And that that starts with reviewing a whole lot of videos of Eddie. And you get to see this very wide and varied experience that he has from everything that is like very nice, heartwarming moments to sentimental moments to really traumatic moments of Eddie existing mm-hmm. in a world that doesn't understand him and is often expresses itself pretty pretty negatively and in some cases violent either verbally or physically met ways to him right like we see him have a basketball be thrown at his head that was that was just sort of a for me i didn't anticipate that i didn't anticipate seeing that displayed so viscerally i also think they start seeding not another plot here but they start seeding in a little more emotion about true of like hesitation and anxiety about putting more of this into the video, putting more of herself into the video because she's like, people are going to watch this and what are they going to think of me? What are they going to think of my family? Which I think is relatable for mm-hmm. anyone. Absolutely. I mean, relatable to us, I think, of making content and being a little afraid to peel that curtain back and mm-hmm. putting yourself out there and hoping. Yeah, like, What are the implications of you that? Know, she, you mm-hmm. know, she's really afraid later. She talks like, what if everyone laughs at me? What if everyone thinks mm-hmm. I'm a freak? What, you know, all these right. things. But, you know, she does eventually, like you're saying, start putting in more personal takes on it as opposed to just this very clinical mm-hmm. diagnosis. And we, we actually, let's just say it. We have the R word used here. Yeah, this is the and, first time. And it ramps pretty rapidly. I mean, we, we go from not hearing it at all for the first half, more than half of the movie this is at the park, right? Or at that festival? This yeah. is when the bat. No, 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 no. This is when the. This is in the. The, the Eddie movie where the basketball gets thrown. The kid then says it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like that was already tough to watch. I'm going, ooh, maybe this is, you know, an, uh, maybe we're only going to get it once. No, we get it again. And the reason it's said here is to bring impact to when. Eddie says it next on the beach when he's not able to fly. A, the, the, he doesn't have enough wind to fly the kite, but Eddie views the kite as the dumb object. And then he, he draws a synonym between the R word and dumb. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's Eddie internalizing. Like he's heard him be called that. He's also heard him be called dumb and stupid and other insults. So now he's just making all those things synonyms for his experience, which was so hard to watch by the way. Yeah. That was tough. I, I wish they would have hit that a little bit harder, if I'm being honest. Tr- like, you need, we needed to sit in it a bit more. Mm-hmm. It made me tear up. Not for the last time in this movie, but... Yeah. Uh, I don't think this is... I mean, the word hit like a bullet the first time I heard it today in 2023, when that word is generally seen as a, an inappropriate word. But I'm remembering 2002, and people use that word all the time. All the time. A lot. Yeah. And I went to a very small private school that was pretty progressive, and you would have gotten in huge trouble had you used that word. Uh, I remember actually in an assembly, someone getting up there and saying, if the computer in the computer lab doesn't work, it's not gay or retarded, it's broken, and we need to stop saying those words as a synonym for something's broken or stupid or dumb. Right. And like, I knew that in my brain from a much younger age, but then I remember going to college where people were not from small, private, progressive schools and people using that word a lot to describe Mm -hmm. something as stupid or dumb or you're being this. And I was like, whoa. But I 
I don't think that in 2002, that word hit the way that it hit my ear today. Oh, not at all. Yeah, not not even a little goggles. bit. Yeah, 2023 goggles. It's funny because, uh, I mean, you made a, um, I think when we were preparing for this pod, Alan, you were like, oh, it's got some color of friendship vibes to it, right? I think in in tone and in like just the subject matter and, and the use of language that maybe is a little unexpected for us today, but it's nowhere near mm-hmm. the same thing as uh, hearing the language that we heard in Color of Friendship, right? Absolutely. Because if you put yourself in the moment of uh, when the movie came out, I mean, you know, I, I did not go to a, a progressive, I was in a public school in Tennessee and uh, I'm not proud of it. Everyone in my friend group used the word, you know what I mean? Like that's, it was just normal. It was, it was part of the, the language and luckily, you know, society has changed, yeah. you know, and like we've uh, adjusted our language and luckily uh, language can evolve over time. But yeah, I a hundred percent agree with you. I was, I am glad you said that Molly, because whereas when we watch color friendship in 2001, that would have been shocking in 2002. This is not shocking at all for this mm-hmm. to be in this movie. I actually think this was Disney's way of trying to curb this language. Like, because mm. I'm sure in many communities, especially like they tag the Special Olympics at the end of this, like, mm-hmm. I'm sure that there was already that conversation of we need Absolutely. to stop using this word yeah. this way. And I think this was Disney's way of saying to a large audience, this word is hurtful. Yeah. Don't use it like that. Yeah. Especially to the population really. that they're targeting, targeting with this, right? If you're targeting leaving middle school, going into high school with this film, but that is the perfect tar- population to target to affect yeah. change for this. So it was very, very good. And they keep bringing it back. So this is, you have, you have Eddie internalize it. Um, you have, and then it's going to come up a little bit later, but in, in the, in the interim, you see that true is struggling with, do I, do I actually want to send this video? Uh, gets advice from Dee, Dee says, yes, yeah, send it. She mails out her video, that video cassette, Slaps the old USPS label on it, ships it out. Comes home. Mom says the same phrase to True that she heard from Dee Dee, and mm-hmm. True now knows. And I, and again, maybe I just don't understand the perspective now, being a you know a thirty-something-year-old man uh, and not having this type of relationship. But her response to her mom after True figured it out, I, I assume it was betrayal. I, I'm not yeah. sure. I'm going to kind of hundred percent. Okay, I think 100%. it was like. What she says is like, oh, were you spying on me? Were you going to use things I said against me later? And I think what it is is like privacy. I think she Mm -hmm. thinks she was confiding in someone else and it turns out to be her mom. Mm -hmm. And not that she even said anything like damning or any like she didn't give away any of her secrets or anything, but like it's just this feeling of you lied to me. You, Mm -hmm. you know, I think that's what it was. Which leads to true effectively cutting off both of her parents and we find that out when they're at the county fair in the next scene with mom and dad talking again, a nice moment to see them two together, sort of, as you put it. Razzing. Yeah. And I just love this razzing. I really love that. Like you see parents are going through hard stuff, but they can still be lighthearted with each other. And like that, you know, it's not easy, but you know, mom's like, do you really think she's upset? Or, you know, when do you think she's going to freeze me out forever? And dad's like, well, you know, I got bad news. The, 
Guinness uh, Book of World Records called. They said, um, yeah, you're up for the parent freeze out award. I was like, that's funny. Like, it's funny that they have a relationship that's healthy and that even though you're going through something hard with your kid, like dad can like make you laugh and make it lighthearted and you're going to get through it and it's going to be fine. You know? And again, again, gave me Yoder parent vibes, but less horny because <laughs> that's yeah. another couple yeah. that we saw like have a really healthy and good relationship. Right. Yeah. And then we get bullying, uh, and it was bad. But I also want to talk about like two things here. We have, for the first time, we see True not be a passive observer of the bullying. Because all we have seen so far is True videoing Eddie's experience. This is the first time we see her in film actively engage with the bullies. Mm -hmm. Because a group of bullies gave Eddie a hat. True is like, did you steal it? Did you buy it? What's that? Like, where'd you get it from? He's like, no, these, this group of guys gave it to me. They go together to find the group of guys, find them, eventually figure out that those group of boys, this is so disgusting, had spit in the hat and given it to Eddie and Eddie just put it on his head. And then they mm -hmm. use the R word. Again. And then they use the R word a lot. And Billy, and Billy is the main mm -hmm. guy. That's important. Oh yeah. Billy the crush. Meaner than Paolo, I gotta say. Paolo is mean, but this is really mean. The, this is, this is hateful. And True responds by physically just pushing Billy off a bridge. <laughs> Good for her. Water. Here's what I decided. I, I liked True this whole time, but I decided I really liked her in this moment because that's the boy she had the biggest crush on. And mm -hmm. she did not hesitate to have Eddie's back and say, fuck 100%. you, man, and throw mm -hmm. him into the river, like literally. And I 100%. was like, she may get frustrated with Eddie and she may be a somewhat resentful or have whatever feeling she has towards Eddie, but she did not hesitate to yeah. protect her brother. The, the consistent thing that I loved in this movie is I never doubted true's love for her brother. Mm -hmm. Not a singular moment in this film. Did I doubt that true would have Eddie's back? This is expressing it just to, to the nth degree. And that was lovely. But we want to leave the fair now, right? Obviously, True's been through some things. She's she's yeeted a student uh, into a river. So she grabs Eddie, pulls him past, walks past Mom. We're leaving. Mom's like, why? You wouldn't understand. <laughs> it's like, okay, you got you to gotta give her a little slack sometimes. Like, Yeah. In fact, uh, True, I think Mom might understand it if you explained it. Yeah. I think Mom would go... Pick the kid back up, put him on the bridge, and push him back into the river if you're given the yeah, opportunity. You're not wrong. I um, did love the, the the conversation that follows, which is mom coming to True in her room, and uh, you know, again, they still haven't talked since the DD thing. And mom's like, "I need to tell you something," and True says, "I don't want to hear it." And mom says, "Well, you can just listen." And I thought. Well, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> <laughs> those are the same things. Yeah. Hey, those are synonyms. I, she could have said, I don't want to talk about it. And then mom goes, well, then you can just listen. But what she said was, I don't want to hear it. And I'm like, well, mm -hmm. then this sentence doesn't make any sense, mom. Like, <laughs> uh, But mom is, and I also think mom's like, you know, I just did it. We're okay, right? It's like, what uh. the fuck is that? Wait, the, That's the, not the an apology, mean, mom. Like, she's just like, well, no, I mean, she, I think she's like, I, what I did was I lied. I'm sorry. We're, we're good, right? 
Yeah. And it's a half ass apology. It's a half ass apology. She's like, we're good. Right. And she's like, no, we're not good. Like, <laughs> but, but also, <laughs> yeah, but also it's not even about you, mom. It's about the kids that are picking on Eddie. Right. Yeah. Like she's, she's over the DD thing. Now she's on to this thing. Yeah. Um, I don't know that she's over well, the nah, there, Yeah, but, but it's not what she's upset about that, in the yeah. moment, right? Her rage is currently directed at a very, very evil Elsewhere. thing that occurred. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I just was like, I mean, she didn't know the situation, true. <laughs> if you had just told her, she would have known, man. Um, yeah, she just like bursts out. She's like, they spin his hat! It's like what? <laughs> Whoa! Huh? My fuck is, the fuck does that even mean? <laughs> like, without could you imagine without context, just hearing that, be like, uh, is what? that code for something? Or like, <laughs> like, what were you getting at? I also think that's like what a quintessential expression of the teenage experience. Oh, a hundred percent. Like, wow, hundred <laughs> percent. Uh, we then just jump cut away though. We're going to the library oh. because we have a project that we're studying for. Uh, Eddie is reading some of his, his kids' books. Eddie ends up getting lost in the library. This is a very painful This scene is brutal. It is I was so sobbing in this scene. Um, Eddie gets on the elevator, goes down to the wrong floor, ends up getting lost. He's panic-stricken and begins shouting through the library for True. You can mm-hmm. feel the panic. Like, mm-hmm. you can feel how scared this kid is. Like, I just want to Shia LaBeouf slayed. He, he crushed like, they did a great job of making it like the, the of really showing that claustrophobia mm-hmm. of being in uh, like a, a densely uh, packed library hall. Right. They didn't put him out in the lobby. They didn't put him out somewhere where there was air and you could see things. They put him in tightly packed shelves that felt claustrophobic. True runs through the library after hearing the shouting finds Eddie having knocked over, uh, being effectively cornered in uh, in Eddie's mind, cornered by a librarian who's like, calm down, kid. Yeah, that's not working, buckaroo. Maybe don't fucking do that. Finds Eddie after having knocked over uh, some books on himself, ends up comforting Eddie. The librarian is unhelpful, and it takes True's friend stepping to be like, hey, man, they asked you to give him a second. Back off. It is at this point that I would like to say... I think Jake is the Gilbert, mm. and I oh. think Jake is better than Gilbert. I agree. Yeah. In this moment, I mean, he's a good friend, I think, the whole time, but in this moment, when he says to the librarian, the librarian's like, you guys need to leave, and True says, we will, just give us a second, and then he, like Alan, you said, pressures them more, and Jake's like, he said, or she said they need a second, and then the librarian leaves and he goes, I'll go call your mom to pick us up. Like he, he does not mm-hmm. hesitate. hesitate to support true. And he's there for her. And he, I, I was like, what a good friend. Yeah. Absolutely. He also delivered a, a line. We were far past at this point, but he delivered a line. I really loved earlier in this movie after she shows him her very, very boring first cut. And he says, well, it's a medical video. Maybe you should get a second opinion. <laughs> yeah, I did I like thought, that. I thought, yeah. you know, that's a good joke. That's, that's a good old joke you made there. Yeah, yeah. But I, I like Jake, and, and I think he's a great friend. And this is when we get another crushing moment from Eddie. He delivers some crushing lines. He goes, "I wanna, I wanna be done being different. I wanna be the same as everybody else." Mm-hmm. That was like, and you, you saw the impact of those words hit true. 
Like you watch that sibling interaction play out. And now True's in this position of having to like comfort and reinforce that it's okay to be different to her brother that is now expressed like, I mean, that's heavy. I feel like True's feeling a lot of the weight of like, you're not my twin anymore still, right? She's still feeling and reeling from that. And here's what happened in that scene that I thought was incredible is True comforts Eddie. Says it's okay to be different. They hug. And then as soon as they end the embrace, you see Eddie is sort of like moved on a bit. And now he becomes worried about True. And he's like, did I make you sad? Here, wipe your eyes away. What a... I was just like, that entire sequence, beautiful. When I tell you I was sobbing, I don't know if a decom has hit me this hard yet. Like, mm-hmm. I was very sad watching this scene. It, it was just such a such an interesting and again like i'm a third-party observer i don't really know that much about about all of the intricacies of all of these things but that that scene playing out i was like that feels really real and really well displayed well well, and true gets to a point where she you could see it in her brain like she could lie to him she could baby him in this moment but she doesn't she says yeah you are really different but because you're really different, here are some good things about that. And she ends with, if you if you weren't really different, I wouldn't have the like the best brother in the world or something. She says something really nice at the end. Mm-hmm. But it's like, you can see her being like, should I cushion the blow? Should I baby him mm-hmm. here? But she doesn't. And, I, and it's like, it was, it was a very good scene, I thought. Yeah. Again, I want to say this. I wish they had lingered on it a bit more. Mm-hmm. Kind of like what we had out on the beach. I wanted them to linger on this one a bit more. Just because I think this is this is what the story's about. Let us feel it. Let yeah. us. It's about these relationships. Let us feel this one. Yeah, and I think that's the that's when I talk about like not needing the dad storyline. I think that that would you could have kept the movie the same length and taken some of that out and lingered a little bit more on these beats that are really I think where the juice is of this film, like. I know it is implicit when we talk about the kite, it's implicit that, you know, Eddie is drawing a a line between himself and the words he's been called and the kite, which is not functioning in this moment the way he wants it to, and that it's not flying. And there's a, there's a parallel he's drawing and, and there's, it's a, it's a metaphor that's, that's pretty beautifully shown, but they don't, they don't go anywhere with that really. And I, I, I was hungry for more of that and for it to be addressed a little bit more um, and to hit a little bit harder. And that's where I'm like, man, I could have, I wish you would have pulled the dad stuff out and just had dad be like good, solid parent relationship hard. Don't get me wrong. It's still hard, but pull some of that stuff out from the end and just invest a couple more minutes in these couple of moments. And it would have just, it would have taken a great movie and it would have just like put it over. It would, I think. Because I mean, imagine, imagine mom in that scene on the beach asking Eddie why. Like all she needs to be like, well, what do you mean? And that's yeah. all we needed for Eddie to like articulate it in a way that is uniquely Eddie and explain those and make it more explicit than, than us having to read into it. I was actually yeah. waiting for True to put down the camera and go help Eddie with the kite. Mm. Is what I expected is after she's crushed by hearing him use this language, I expected her to go say, let's fix it together or let's mm-hmm. work on it together. But again, I think if she, if she goes and fixes Eddie, because I love that and I think it's great. I also think that if she goes and helps Eddie in that moment, I lose the impact of her actively engaging with Billy later. That's because, true. 
because she's she has chosen to remain apart from Eddie living in a world with his disability. And mm-hmm. then when it then she overcomes that hesitancy with Billy. And then it, it, mm-hmm. like that that victory for her is so impactful. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And it does, I think, impact the library scene more. But in mm-hmm. that moment, that's what I expect. Oh, I, yeah, sure. hundred yeah. percent. So we have this this impactful scene. And it gets to back at home. We're announcing the results of the video contest. And True wins. Huzzah! Who could have seen that coming? Nobody. I'm shocked. And there's going to be a, uh, a viewing party. But not before True is angry at a left field at her mom again. <laughs> this, is a, this is the one that I was really thinking about where I was like, damn, that reaction doesn't make any sense. Because like, you won. You're overjoyed. It worked. You got the thing you wanted. And then she looks at mom and she's like, but if I'm embarrassed, it's your fault. And it's like, yeah, isn't it was- this what you wanted? Like, <laughs> I'm so confused. I think this was to hammer down again that feeling of like, okay, I won. Hooray. But now everyone at my school it's and in town could see this very personal side of me mm-hmm. and she's spitting that vitriol at her mother, which I understand that again, teenage girl emotions and you tend to take out your anger on the people you're closest to. But it did in that moment seem really dramatic out of nowhere. Yeah. Especially after you got the thing you were trying to get, you like you won the contest. That was what you wanted. Right. And I guess the question is like, is this also playing on the DD thing and if it's a stranger from the internet that tells you to put yourself out there, then are you like, you don't care? Like, oh, this is your fault because you were my mom posing as Dee Dee. But if you were a random person that told me be vulnerable and put yourself out there, then it's then it's my fault. Then I own that. Like, but I, I just it doesn't I, I'm not jiving with this one interaction. Yeah, I hadn't even considered that, too. That's an interesting point. Regardless, we get a watch party. And as soon as the watch party started, I said out loud, Dad's not going to be there. There's no shot in hell Dad's going to well, be there. Well, the minute watch you have party. to start calling Dad and reminding him what time it's going to be on. Right. Oh, yeah. Right. Definitely not going to be there. Um, and sure enough, Dad's got an important surgery that he never fucking goes he to. He sits and watches the whole thing at the. Uh, <laughs> no, he literally, so. he literally doesn't go. But <laughs> I'm so help. upset. Before we get into the movie, can we have a moment for movie star Eddie? By this point, I am so oh, endeared yeah. by Eddie from the last few scenes that when Shia LaBeouf comes down in his movie star look, since he's oh, the star yeah. of the show, and it's like a tuxedo t-shirt and sunglasses, mm-hmm. I was so endeared by this. I was like, what a little cutie pie. He's very cute, yeah. So nice. They all gather. It just, it plays on the local news, mm-hmm. and we get True's creation, which I think is good uh, for, for somebody who is a 14-year-old creating this. It's and 30% sunflowers. Yeah, it's a lot of sunflowers. Good, but yeah, there's like in between random scenes of her describing her life with Eddie, there's just like B-roll of sunflowers. And I'm mm-hmm. like, Why? again, she got that for free on some like stock film website, <laughs> I think probably. But like, I don't understand it at all. I got to say though, I, I'm going to give this movie credit. As somebody that when I was in high school, I was like, editing anime music videos on windows movie maker like this use of random songs and like b-roll footage and scenes that don't really make sense with the music that's put i'm like 
yeah, that's high school editing. Like oh, that yeah. is, they nailed it. Like they absolutely fucking nailed this is what making, 14 year old videos look like. This is me making uh sl- video slideshows in iMovie oh, with just uh-huh. like Gosh. random ass songs. Yeah. Oh. Whatever you can find royalty free. You got to get that royalty free shit and throw it in there. Um, yeah. With Lincoln Park and Evanescence as the music, oh, that was that was oh, those yeah. were my music videos. Everything was in the end, Take crawling, me bring me to life. Going. Hell yeah! Oh god! Exactly. That's yeah. the. It's like I'm listening to it now. Man, uh, should I change some Evanescence after this? Hell yeah! Wait, you I'm gonna be busy watching Paywatch. Never. Mind. I, I'm gonna need you to watch you know, like anime though next to it. That's what I would do. Yes. A little, kin- little Kenshin Evanescence matchup is what my high school oh my years God. were. I never did oh the, the anime, but I did the rock memories the Evanescence. That just unlocked. Hell oh. yeah! Oh wow! Um, yeah, so. People generally enjoyed the documentary. Her family had a very positive response. Dad and his surgeon friend watched it the whole time. And dad was like, I couldn't help but notice I wasn't in it a lot. And they're going to try to like, that's again, the absentee dad plug, but not really the absentee dad plug because he uses it as an excuse. Also, just one little joke, little, little snippet. When he's watching it on the hospital TV, um, he's not actually watching it on the hospital TV. Like it's very clear they just like superimposed the footage into mm-hmm. a blank TV because it they didn't get the ratio right. <laughs> yeah, it was very, very <laughs> off. <laughs> and I just that made me laugh. <laughs> like yeah. oh nice. So we have this realization happened at the hospital. Uh, now True is worried about going to school, but she need not be worried. It was a positive response from all of her high school peers. They loved it. Then True comes home and dad's like, hey, I was, noticed I wasn't in that movie a lot. Actually, I think what he says exactly is, if people didn't know any better, they would think you didn't have a dad. And she was like, well, I can show you the footage I have of you. And I said out loud, oh, dad's about to learn that he's a dick. Like, he's like, I don't have a lot of it with you, but here's what it is. And all of it is dad yelling at I do agree with Bax on this point, though. Like, yes, that is all the footage. And yes, he did look like a dick. And it's probably better for their family that they did not release that to the public. But also, like, why isn't there any footage of him being nice? Because he is nice. Not rarely. Like, he, yeah. like why isn't there footage of them playing catch? Like, why isn't there footage of them... They went to the fair together. They yeah, like, they play catch together. They uh, the soccer game. They like, went to the soccer game together. Dad filmed like it, like it could have been Dad's voice uh, over the soccer game. Like it's just there, there's plenty of times we see of them being good together. Like well, but in this moment, Dad's has anger management issues, and mm-hmm. he vows to... This is when we get to resolution mode. Right? We, now, we now go into resolution. Yeah. So dad vows to be better, and you have a, a cutaway scene of a sort of like a future uh, mode of dad and Eddie stacking cards. Like, dad's still not perfect, but he's working on it. Then you have True go and apologize to mom, because True watches back a clip of earlier in the movie where she records herself saying... Note to self, when I get famous in a sitcom, make sure I cast a different person for my mom and mom looking very hurt over the shoulder. So True goes and I, I, I say apologizes, but never utters the words, I'm sorry. Gives Correct. her mom back the same apology that she got for the Didi incident. You're not wrong. <laughs> they, they go and resolve, question mark, <laughs> their issues. Um, but they don't really because she doesn't really apologize for being mean to her mom. She just 
goes and sits down and then is like, I just realized that when I get older, I'll get older and get married and grow up and Eddie will not. Mm-hmm. And they have like a bonding moment over that, which is a very tough and emotional thing to to figure out. But also like that wasn't an apology. Yeah. Yeah. That, this is though, this is after, I think we missed the part where before this and before dad, after the film shows, they go to the school mm-hmm. and okay. they get celebrated, right? That like all the kids love the movie and they get applauded, right? And there's this like wonderful reception from all the kids. She was worried about being embarrassed. She was worried about them not liking this stuff. They celebrate this story that she's told. And all I could feel in the dad part and in this part is like, why is this happening after that? Like, why didn't the film end on them being celebrated at school? What a weird fucking tone for this movie to end on instead of like how much people loved her story and triumph and the, and the crush walking away ashamed or whatever because he realizes he was an asshole like it's just such a weird way to end this movie i just felt like lord of the rings return of the king extended cut where they have 18 fucking endings yeah like (laughs) jesus christ just end it like just crown aragorn king and have the bowing hobbit scene and we're done no we gotta send bilbo on the boat with the elves no we don't bilbo was a dick this whole time i believe i'm ready for another adventure yeah yeah bro and it's q enya like we have to have all that (laughs) no friends no one bows to you anyway oh that part is so good you bow to no one so we have, uh, yes, Max, we have the, the school scene, which should have been the ending, and it wasn't. Instead, what we have is dad resolution, mom resolution, and then True and Eddie sitting together watching the soccer scene of, of Eddie scoring. Mm-hmm. And it ends with Eddie saying, I want to watch that scene over and over again of Eddie, like getting the pass from True and scoring. And True's like, no, there are other things that we can watch, and we, we can change. And Eddie goes, I don't want anything to change. It's you and me being twins. And that's how the movie ends. Kind of a sad ending after her talking to her mom about how that change is inevitable and they are never going to be uh, able to stay. And then Eddie's like, I don't want it to change. We're perfect just like this. And I'm like, well, I got a brutal fucking truth for you, my guy. Like, (laughs) It's not going to be that way. It's a pretty like devastating follow up to a real conversation she just had with mom. I that's again. I'm just like, man, the ending of this movie is wild. Like, I also think just on, they. It's like it ends with a voiceover of just like the recap, and then she's like, "Dad works on his anger management issues, but <laughs> yeah. he's not perfect yet." And then it shows him yelling at Eddie again over some <laughs> card game, and I'm like, "Wow, what the fuck!" Like, dude, <laughs> we, lol, anger's funny. Like, we had to throw Dad under the bus one more time, I guess. Like, it just was like. Again, a weird note to end on. Could we not yeah, just, just end on the triumph? Just a weird tone to end on. But yeah, that's... Oh, no, wait. We get another interstitial uh, meadow scene with overalls. And that's how we end the film. Right, yeah. The and then the field thing again. I just... <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck is that? Uh, yeah, yeah. All right, so I've got to know. I've got to know. What are your ratings for this movie? Uh, Molly, what's your rating? Eight. Eight. Mm. Eight. Um, I think it's very good. 
I think it tackles a very tough subject and I think it does it very well. I think for the most part, the characters are likable, particularly True and Eddie, I think are both very likable characters and very complex and well-developed characters. Um, I think the parents are a little hit or miss or times, but certainly better than a lot of parents we have had. Um, I agree. I think we should have just made dad like a good dad the whole time. And we didn't need that bonus storyline. Um, but I think this movie had some really powerful moments and uh, was well acted. So yeah, I think it's definitely, it's not as good as Color of Friendship, but I think it it's up there as mm. far as quality goes. What about you, Max? Yeah, I, I was going to give it an eight and a half. Um, I agree with pretty much everything Molly said. There's a little bit of rewrites I would do here just to clean it up, spend a little bit more time on other parts of it instead of where some of the time got spent. Um, but generally speaking, I think the acting in this movie is much better than average for a DCOM. I think the writing is much better than average for a DCOM. They handled a very complex and difficult subject with a lot of grace. And I love that they showed a lot of different perspectives and again, didn't vilify any of them. They were like, Hey, this is hard and it's okay for it to be hard. And all these perspectives are fine and valid. Um, I, I like this movie a lot. I, I think it's pretty high quality. And and uh, when compared to DCOMs, uh, I think it's an 8.5. For me, I, I actually split it right down the middle of you two. I gave it an 8.3 uh, for a lot of the same reasons. I think Shia LaBeouf crushed it in this movie. I think the acting in general, as you mentioned, Max and Molly, just so much better than what, what I think we've seen of late specifically in DCOMs. Mm-hmm. Um, for a story that is hard to tell, and mm-hmm. hard to tell well. And I think they did a pretty damn good job of that. Yeah. So I will go to an IMDb review. Uh, it The title of this, uh, by the way, generally very positive throughout the yeah. entirety of the, of the Rolodex of IMDb reviews, which is good. Um, the title of this one is one of the best movies I've ever seen. This is one of the best movies I've ever seen, if not the best of all. I am 14 and my brother is very much like Eddie, although Aww. much younger. Mm. I think it's very important to get the word out about disabled people. The plot is also very nice and well thought out. It is very touching. I must admit that I cried through much of the movie. Shia LaBeouf, Eddie, does a wonderful job of portraying a kid with Asperger's backslash high-functioning autism. Again, we don't know mm. what he was actually diagnosed with, but this is this, this reviewer's mm-hmm. interpretation. A lot of my friends' favorite insult is to call people the R-word. Maybe after seeing this movie, they will change their minds. Mm. 10 out of 10. What a sweet review. That's a sweet review. Yeah. Which I think like, as we mentioned before, the intent of a movie like this is to show somebody a lived experience mm-hmm. and then inform and affect change. Yeah. So very, very good. Like Love that. that. Love that. All right. So what is up next? Get a clue starring Lindsay Lohan. Oh, mm-hmm. isn't there a song called get a clue? I don't know, but is Brenda's it? song is in it. Get a clue. Dude, we love Brenda's song. Yeah. We I love, I hope that this movie does more justice to her than when she tried to carry the ultimate Christmas present. I'm very excited because I love some Lindsay Lohan. And I remember mm-hmm. this being a very big deal that Lindsay Lohan was going to be in a decom. Hmm. Well, listen. It's going to be the the features in this movie are strong additions to the community theater. 
They will be present for many years to come, both in DCOMs and in Disney productions that are uh, theatrical releases. So I'm looking forward to it. I've not seen this. This is post Parent Trap. Uh, yes, this is yeah. post Parent Trap that came out in '98. So okay, way past Parent Trap. Okay, but pre Mean Girls. Sure. If we're the, if, so we've got the the low hand chronology and pre like Herbie. The Love yeah. Bug, fully mm-hmm. loaded. Yeah. Right? Same year as Life Size, though. An incredible oh. film that unfortunately does not get counted as a decom, but it's because it was like an ABC sure. uh-huh. made for TV movie, but Tyra mm-hmm. Banks and Lindsay Lohan just crushing. It's on the mm-hmm. same. I think that one's in the same group as like HE Double Hockey Sticks and mm-hmm. like that. Like, what was the name of that like weekend film? My Date with oh. the President's Daughter. And you also know, all those movies. Model behavior with Justin Timberlake. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and also oh, yeah. that weird version of Pinocchio with Drew Carey. Oh my oh, God. I, I had, had forgotten, forgotten that, that existed. <laughs> oh, my brain just exploded. Yeah. Woo. Yeah. Wow. Well, looking forward to getting a clue next week. Uh, in the meantime, folks, thank you so much for listening. Please be sure to rate and review wherever you get your podcast. It really does help us out. Follow us on all of our socials and come and join us in on the Mammoth Club Discord if you ever get the opportunity. But in the meantime, folks, thank you so much. We appreciate you and we will see you next week for Get a Clue. Bye. Bye.